Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Welcome, welcome. It's V the Gorilla Economist coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the Morning. That's right. You love my... <laughs> mm-hmm. There you have it, guys. There you have it. V's, V's, uh, V's uh, uh, converting. He's I'm, I'm transitioning. That's what it is, Siege. You just, you know, I know you're jealous of my luscious locks. Um, I started taking <laughs> hormone blockers, which is a, a good thing. And um, Siege, I'm running low on estrogen. You are. That's not yeah. good. I'm running low on estrogen, bro. I, I, I need more estrogen. <laughs> Listen, everybody, you can follow us on roguenews.com. Check us on uh, on Twitter, at Real Rogue News. Rogue News on every single podcasting app known to humanity. For those of you that are on YouTube, we're going to let you know, like, within 10 minutes into this broadcast, we're going off of YouTube. Follow us on Twitch. Follow us on DLive. Follow us on roguenews.com. This broadcast will also be uploaded to Rumble, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, every single stream, uh, st- uh, 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 Stitcher, all these different uh, podcasts that are out there. And we're eventually also going to be on Spotify very soon as well. We're everywhere you want us to be. Tens of thousands. That's right. I'm Vivian the Gorilla, man. That's right. Vivian. Hey, guys. It's Vivian the Gorilla. and uh, I'm with Siege. Siege, what's going on, you fierce man? I'm doing well. <laughs> um, I'm glad you're doing fantastic. Yes. So, guys, uh, lots of, uh, you know, I'm also wearing this hair, CJ, because I am, I, I'm wearing this hair in, in, in commemoration of, uh, what, what's the guy that, that attacked Paul Pelosi? Paul Pelosi? The dude's name? Hell, I can't remember. Oh, God, it was Depeche Mode? Depeche. Yeah, somebody in the uh, chat threw it up. What was the, the guy oh. that attacked Pelosi? They'll, they'll get it before we will watch. Because somebody just read or listened to something. De Pepe? Oh, De Pepe? De Pesh. De Pesh. De Pepe. De Pepe. Yeah, De Pepe. David De Pepe. So I'm wearing this in, you know. Oh, hold on, Siege. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. All right. Hold on. This is about to get real, Siege. Hold on. All right, cool. Hold on. All right. So we will be back in, in just a moment. He's accessorizing right now. Uh, he, he forgot to do that, which is the utmost important uh, to do uh, when we're doing live streams. Hey, uh, thanks for everyone to jump into the chat room. Uh, correct. Uh, what, what's up, Crypto King? Good to see you in the house. Been a minute. Uh, Eric is in the house. 
uh, Jay Char Charlo's in the house. Hobo, what's up, Hobo? Haven't cut your streams in a minute. I need to, bro. Um, yeah, so welcome, everyone, to the chat. Right, I appreciate I'm back. In. Okay, cool. See, blow me up, man. I, I want to show the people. I'm ready, bro. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you know, there's a green hammer. That's why it's, like, disappearing behind the green screen. But in, in, in I'm showing solidarity. You know, I, I think Gus had a wonderful write-up for us. Gus said, um, <laughs> I can't wait till Gus comes. When's Gus coming back? Tomorrow. He's going to stream tomorrow. Yay. From Yay. Hopefully he'll pick a nice, nice scenic area to, to stream from. Yeah. So uh, Gus said, question, tell me about your leadership. Answer, homeless, <laughs> homeless facts beat them with hammers. This is what American leadership is all about, folks. Okay. In commemoration of David DePap, I'm holding this hammer. Okay. Lots of things going on. David DePap faces several charges. I wish this wasn't a green hammer. Everything's disappearing here. Right? I, see it's, I can see it. It's there. It's there right? Yeah. David DePap faces several charges. Okay. And last night for Halloween, I was Thor. So I had Mjolnir. I had the uh, hammer of the gods. I was the thunderer, CJ. Nice. Yes. I was the thunderer. So neighbors of the man accused of attacking severely injuring Paul Pelosi during the early morning hours of October 28th says that he is odd and claim his intention was traumatized Nancy Pelosi. Traumatized Nancy Pelosi. See, there's there's more to this story, man. No, what, so what do we know about this DePape character? So much, uh, you know. There's no need. Tucker Tucker broke it down. Let's do it. Uh, the mo the most excellent last night. So let, let's play this, and you'll get an idea of who exactly this uh, MAGA uh, forever Trumper isn't. Here we go. Court with assault and attempted kidnapping. At this point, that's what we can say for certain. David DePappy assaulted Paul Pelosi with a hammer. Apparently, DePappy has admitted that in police custody. But beyond those facts, there is much in this story that remains muddy. How, for example, did DePappy get inside the Pelosi's home? That's the first question. Last year, ABC News reported what you already guessed, which is that Pelosi has round-the-clock protection at her houses. Quote, she has her own security. She has the Capitol Police. They fly all the way out here from Washington, D.C. with her. And yet, in this case, San Francisco DA Brooke Jenkins says that there was no security present at the Pelosi home on Friday night. And that's pretty strange because, according to multiple accounts, even when Pelosi isn't at home, her houses are well guarded. Again, as you would expect. Our friend Harmeet Dillon told us that when her firm recently tried to serve a lawsuit against Paul Pelosi at various properties he owns, all of them were guarded by, quote, multiple law enforcement officers on the perimeter. So how did DePappy get past security that apparently wasn't there? And why wasn't it there if, in fact, it wasn't? We know he got inside. And once he was inside, what exactly happened next? Well, accounts of that are changing. At the first press conference on Friday, San Francisco police suggested there was a third person in the home when police arrived. Hmm. And Politico dutifully reported that, quote, officers arrived at the house, knocked on the front door, and were led inside by an unknown person. In other words, by a person who was not David DePappi or Paul Pelosi. His driver, probably. Now, Politico never formally corrected this claim. Instead, just two days later, Politico, the same publication, attacked anyone who repeated its own reporting as a crazed conspiracy monger, quote, Pro-Trump commentators weighed in online to raise questions about the investigation based on unfounded and false claims, among those baseless claims that a third person answered the door when police arrived at the Pelosi home. Okay, three separate adjectives knocking down that idea. 
But the question remains, was there a third person at the home? We don't know, but it's not crazy to assume there was. Here's how today's charging documents describe the scene inside the house. Quote, when the door was opened, Pelosi and DePappi were both holding a hammer with one hand, and DePappi had his other hand holding onto Pelosi's forearm. Pelosi greeted the officers. The officers asked them what was going on. DePappi responded, everything was good. All right, pause right there. It's an awful scene in some ways, but here's... So let me get this straight, Siege. All right, break it down, V. Break it down. Let's get this straight. So the, 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 the cops... Somebody let the cops in. Okay? Yes, an unknown and, individual. An unknown individual. And even though they're saying that's a conspiracy theory, chances are whatever the media says it is, it's the exact opposite. Okay? Media tells you, infl- you know, there's no inflation. That means there is inflation. Media tells you, you know, job market's the best I've ever been. That means the job market's terrible. If the media tells you there was no third person, there was a third person. Somebody opened the door. How is it a heavily guarded house? Okay? How is it that a heavily guarded house that has 24 hours, seven days a week surveillance and security, how is it that somebody was breaking into his house with a hammer? See, I'm starting to think that this is more than just a hammer. Mm. Mm. I'm starting to think this is a preferred sex toy by Paul Pelosi. <laughs> Very well I'm be. starting to suspect that he has a thing for homeless men, okay, and rainbow flag waving homeless men and hammers. Because think about it. How else do you explain that when the cops came in, they were both holding onto the hammer? What is mm. this? A dance? A synchronized dance is going on? They're holding onto each other's hammers? Mm. Mm. The Pappy was holding onto Pelosi's forearm. And then as soon as the cops said, hey, what's going on? They're both like, everything is fine. Yep. And then the attack started. Like, it doesn't make sense. And where's the body cam footage? Mm. Right? Mm. And, and, and because there's a security detail for a, for a politician, we don't have the ability to call a FOIA request, nope. Freedom of Information Act request, to ask for that body footage. What about the footage from the security cams that are around about that building? Mm. Can't get that either. Right. But and they think- have previous videos showing all those cams all around their property, so there's no way someone's getting out of that property without going on video. I think William Buck, uh, William Justice said it best. He said, it sounds like the Ed Buck method. I agree with you. See, you remember Ed Buck? No, uh-uh. P- you pull up the story on Ed Buck, and we'll, we'll overlay it real quick. Just type in Ed Buck arrested, right? Just type in that in, and this is going to blow you. His story, Ed Buck, again, another California liberal weirdo, right? Notorious for encountering gay black men, drugging them, and then raping them in his basement. Okay? Ed Buck, he's set major Democrat donor, major power apparatchik within the Democratic Party. Let me not do this, lest people think I'm either... Look, one side is going to think I'm doing the white supremacy sign, the other side is going to say that I'm doing the triple six. <laughs> <laughs> can't even do hand... I can't even do hand gestures. And I'm being from New York, I talk with my hands, Right? I can't even do hand gestures anymore, Siege. That's the world we live in. <laughs> so anyway, this guy, right? I, see, this is a New York thing. That's what Trump does is uh, he's clearly conjuring the devil. No, this is a lot of New Yorkers. We, you know, we, we talk like with our hands. Anyway, Ed Buck sentenced to thirty years in prison. What was Paul? See, there's a connection between Buck and a lot of, especially Obama. 
and 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 Pelosi, Diane Feinstein, Barbara Boxer. There's a connection between them and Ed Buck. Now go back to the uh, the, the Paul Pelosi video, and you can also take this off of YouTube. YouTube listeners, please follow us over Twitch D Live RogueNews.com. Follow us over. Come on up. It's way way better over here. All right, we're off of YouTube. Go ahead, see play it. The critical clause when the door was opened. Well, opened by whom? Common sense suggests it probably couldn't have been Pelosi or DePappi who opened it. They were locked in a life or death drama, a struggle over a hammer. Uh-huh. The documents filed today assert that Paul Pelosi had never seen David DePappi before. Yet in Pelosi's 911 call, he knew DePappi's first name and apparently referred to him as a friend. Aha. Uh-huh. Here's the audio. This is from a dispatcher relaying Paul Pelosi's call. Harvey stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. Harvey stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. So what does that mean exactly? Well, again, we don't know and we can't know. We do know that anyone who's ever met Paul Pelosi can tell you he is an awfully nice man. He's warm and he's friendly, and he certainly didn't deserve to be hit in the head with a hammer. It's horrifying that he was. But as long as this is a news story with public policy implications, and unfortunately that's what it's become, it is fair to ask the obvious questions as you would about any other violent crime that occurs in America, and especially this one, since so many facts, basic facts, seem to be in dispute. Local KTVU investigative reporter Evan Cernofsky, for example, initially reported that DePappi was, quote, found in underwear when police arrived. Today, Cernofsky made a specific point of retracting that claim. There you go. The initial stories, and one of the things we realized from all sorts of, you know, events that happen, right, especially with government officials or has government meddling in it or has ramifications that put certain political parties, individuals, personalities or whatnot in danger of curtailing the official narrative, always believe that the first bit of news that you hear coming out of the, the, the initial media reports are usually the correct ones. Okay, usually yeah. are the correct ones. So now this whole flip. Oh, he wasn't in his underwear. We were told that he was in his underwear. We were told that not only was he not in, in his underwear seizure, but the fact of the matter that he was in the bathroom. Okay, the fact of the matter that this was uh, a lot of the corroborating witnesses to this event were saying that the guy was in his underwear. Now they say, oh, he wasn't in his underwear. That was just a conspiracy theory. No, three people. Who was the third person? And many are suspecting, right? Even uh, one of the guys in the, in, the, in the live chat, I think Jackknife, said, is it the GIMP? It's probably the GIMP. This gets weirder. Keep playing, Siege. In America, and especially this one, since so many facts, basic facts, seem to be in dispute. Local KTVU investigative reporter Evan Cernofsky, for example, initially reported that DePappi was, quote, found in underwear when police arrived. Today, Cernofsky made a specific point of retracting that claim. Quote, I'm now told by other sources that DePappi was not dressed only in his underwear. Well, okay, fair enough. We'd be satisfied with either explanation, not really our business. But you can't blame, and this is the point, you can't blame people watching all of this at home for thinking that maybe there's something weird going on here. Parts of the official account don't seem to make any sense. So the solution, obviously, is to release the police body cam footage from last Friday. That's often done immediately in cases like this, cases that attract heavy public scrutiny. 
Jesse Smollett restores the public's faith in the system. It is the only thing that does. In fact, that's the whole point of body cams, to reassure people that they can really know what happened. Transparency is the antidote to, quote, misinformation. On the other hand, if you want people to fall headfirst into crazed conspiracy theories, then you would keep lying and hiding things. And yet, for some reason, the San Francisco Police Department is refusing to release Friday's body cam video. We learned that today when we filed a records request. No chance, they said. So until we see that tape, there is a lot that we cannot know. But the main question tonight, the one that's going to affect your life going forward, because this story will affect your life, the question is, who exactly is David DePappi? Many in the media seem studiously uninterested. They don't really want to know. At a police press conference last week, a reporter was caught on a hot mic being instructed by someone not to discuss DePappi in any great detail. So it was left in the end to a journalist who doesn't work for a big media outlet, independent reporter Michael Schellenberger, to fill in some of the blanks. Schellenberger no. first did the obvious. He went to where DePappi was living, across the bay in Berkeley. You're seeing an image of it on your screen right now. Apparently, DePappi was camping full-time in a dilapidated Ken Kesey-style school bus, complete with a gay pride flag out front and a sign that reads, Berkeley stands against hate. Behind the bus hangs a BLM banner. So politically, this clearly a right winger seizure. You know totally. where this guy stands. But Schellenberger and others kept digging. They found that DePappi was, in fact, well known in the area, in the entire Bay Area, as a hallucinogenic drug enthusiast and a semi professional nice. nudist. He often appeared at nudist theme events. Does David DePappi have a prior criminal history? That's an obvious question and perhaps a relevant one. But we can't answer it because, once again, authorities in San Francisco have refused to tell us or anyone else. We do know that the people around David DePappi believed that he was completely deranged. The ones who knew him best thought that. The San Francisco Chronicle interviewed his ex-girlfriend, who reported that DePappi is mentally ill and struggles with drugs. For example, he once thought he was, quote, Jesus for a year. He has never been able to hold a job, said the former girlfriend. He has been homeless. This person really does suffer from mental illness, and that is probably why he was there at 2 a.m. She described him as a, quote, broken child in an adult body with serious mental problems. Maybe pause right there, Steve. Neighbors who would not. What are the odds that the Pappy? What are the odds? And this just came to me out of the ether. What are the odds that the Pappy, as a child, was probably involved in some ritualistic child abuse? What if the Pappy, as a child, was passed around from a very young age? From one member or of, 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 of the political class to another member of the political class. From one elite to another elite, right? Because let's be honest here. Being a homeless bum living in a school bus and then showing up naked to one of the most heavily guarded houses in San Francisco just doesn't add up. Not at all. Not at all. Right? This guy is known. To, the, go, to go to these events and these nudist events. And we know all sorts of freaky-deaky things that occur with the political establishment at these quote-unquote events. DePappi was known within this network. How does Paul Pelosi fit into all this? And that's the thing, Siege. There's something deeper. This guy is mentally broken. And when we when you study the lives of people that have been been through 
these types of of uh, of, of 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 traumatic traumatic abuse yeah. and sex abuse and whatnot. These are the type of behaviors that they show. Okay, they they you know they 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 start showing these types of of behaviors. It's very interesting. Now, and here's the key: a broken child. They have arrested development. Okay, hit the play, man. Go ahead, keep playing it. Now said more or less the same thing. Anything strange about him, or anything that stood out? There's something strange about the whole household. <laughs> the entire household is very, very strange. How about him? Um, uh, he is birds of a feather, with uh, akin to them. So they are just, you know, nudist drug abusers, and that's who gravitates toward them. Nudist drug abusers. Another homeless, mentally ill drug addict with the fondness for BLM. That's not quite so unusual in San Francisco. Oh, and there's one other highly unsurprising thing about David Tapapi. He's also an illegal alien. Today, Fox's Bill Malugin learned that Tapapi, who was originally from Canada, has long overstayed his visa. So he is currently in this country illegally. So to restate, the perpetrator in this violent crime against Paul Pelosi is a mentally ill, drug-addicted, illegal alien nudist who takes hallucinogens and lives in a hippie school bus in Berkeley with a BLM banner and a pride flag out front. So take those uncontested facts and let them rattle around your brain for a moment until a recognizable pattern emerges. What does this sound like to you? If you guessed, this is obviously a textbook case of homegrown right-wing extremism, <laughs> then obviously you've been watching a lot of cable news today. Here's a selection. Watch this, this is crazy. Is this political violence in your opinion? It seems to be clear uh, that the, the content of his social media and the statements he allegedly made about where's Nancy, we're going to wait for Nancy, uh, certainly points in that direction. Like Maybe there's a foursome. Normalize yeah. um, this kind of behavior and to make Trumpers feel, you know, at home and prioritize um, their feelings. This is about election denialism. What has happened over the last... Election denialism. ...into uh, the minds and the thoughts of some unstable people. Deranged right-wing fanatics, Trump media allies, <laughs> and some of the most powerful people in the world... We're feverishly trying to stir up conspiracy theories that distracted from the central political headline of this story. That years of Republican propaganda and Trump-fueled terrorism led 42-year-old David DePap to break into Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home. Look how they lie! The fact that Mickey Brzezinski... Go keep playing, man. Look how they lie. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, they're very comfortable doing it. He has a high-paying job does give rise to conspiracy theories. I mean, in a fair society, how could that happen? But it has. But the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, the mentally ill, homeless, illegal alien drug addict who lives in a painted school bus in Berkeley with the BLM flag is actually, despite all appearances, another member of Donald Trump's QAnon army. As CNN commentator David Axelrod put it, far-right conspiracy theories are to blame here. And of course, Jen Rubin at the Washington Post accused right-wing Republicans of inciting violence against the Pelosi family using this illegal alien homeless guy on drugs. The far right demonized Pelosi and that led to the attack, read a banner on MSNBC. So on what grounds, other than political desperation, are they saying things like this? Well, according to some reports, the homeless, mentally ill, drug addicted, illegal alien David Papi somehow maintained websites with right wing content on them. 
Amazing. This was apparently called friendlyfriends.com. And the strange thing about that right there. Okay. is that the web address for it was Hang registered on, back in September. There you go. This is clearly some sort of an intel op, right? There's no way a bum living in a school bus with no job who's homeless, right, has the ability to create a and maintain a, a, a website? <laughs> what are they going to tell me next, Siege? That this guy is actually a scientist working <laughs> on NASA projects. <laughs> this is insane. None of this is adding up. And we, we know this only, this guy's a plant. He's a mind control victim. He was probably, you know, passed around like a, like, 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 like a, 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 a marijuana joint at a, at a party. He was probably passed around as a little kid to one elite to another elite. God knows what the heck this trauma this kid's been through. Keep playing. This is unbelievable. But there's content on the site that is backdated to August. And Internet Archiving Services didn't register any content from that blog, apparently David DePappy's blog, until October 28th. And it was one word blobs. Attack on Paul Pelosi. Each article was one word. Eighth, friendlyfriends.com suddenly included a bunch of incoherent posts about UFOs yeah. and Peter Navarro. I'm not making that up. Those are the facts. What do they mean? Well, it's a right-wing conspiracy, obviously. Better indict Marjorie Taylor Greene for the crime. So keep in mind, as you shake your head in bewilderment at all of this, the midterm elections are next Tuesday and Democrats are in trouble, and they believe the attack on Paul Pelosi might help them. As Margaret Brennan explained over on CBS, because a mentally ill illegal alien attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, it is now immoral to criticize the leader of Democrats a week before an election. Savor this. Republican candidates have spent more than $116 million on ads that mention Speaker Pelosi by name in this cycle. If this is about the issues... Why don't you make it about the issue? We are eight the days result. out. Don't you think this needs to change? Why not Again. pull some of these Why out? Why do you make it about the issues? Why are you about the issues? And four years screaming about Donald Trump. And pull the ads. It's hilarious and brazen and shameless. And the second the midterms are over, they'll stop. But the point is, as always, all the journalists, journalists got the same memo, and they're all running with the same memo. Of course, using exactly the same words. Ashley Parker at the Washington Post wrote this, quote, in 2022, the GOP spent $40 million vilifying Pelosi in ads, and on Friday, her husband was attacked by a hammer. Do you see the direct correlation? If you criticize Nancy Pelosi, obviously you're endangering her family. Of course, she does run the political party that's facing re-election right now that controls the United States Congress. She's third in line from the presidency, but you can't criticize her because if you do... All right, we can stop it there. There's not It, it switches gears after that. So. There you go. Insane. We should make it about the issues. Well, here's some of the issues. Record high inflation. Record high energy prices. Record high food prices. Record high job losses. Record high Americans literally working two or three jobs trying to put food on the table. Americans are taking out loans to buy groceries. Americans are showing there's a record high in, you know, those payday loans? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Record, record high, high. In, the pay, in, the, in the payday loans. Record. Now. Incredible. Well, and it's it's absolutely, you know, just, you know, totally disgusting because, you know, you know, V there in that area, the proximity within the the whatever whatever county it is right there in San Francisco that they the FBI is going to be investigating. They're going to say, hey, you know what? This is now under our jurisdiction because she is a uh, very, you know, she's a speaker of the House. Uh Uh, She's third in charge. So therefore, the FBI is going to look at this further to see if there's anything else 
happening here, something other detail. They'll pull away the local cops, you know, you know, shift some resources their way, whatever they do, money, and then they will just cover it. Uh, and that's what the FBI does in this situation. So unfortunately, we're never going to know the truth. But there's so much information that's already made public, you know, in regards to this. And now they're, they're leveraging like, well, how can we spend this? You know, you know, here's here's an opportunity. We're behind the polls. We're showing a massive amount of losing seats in the House and the Senate. You know, maybe we can spend this some way to kind of benefit us in the long term. But I don't I don't think anyone's buying it. I, I really don't. Other than the people who are already stuck in the same paradigm that we've talked about things endlessly in regards to, uh, you know, gender, in regards to wearing the mask, all those things, those those individuals are going to buy into it. Yeah. But when you look at the latest census poll that are showing, I, I, I it's going to be a landslide. I, I think that they end up with a, a majority in the House and the Senate. And there's nothing that they can do to stop it. I mean, it, the level of desperation when they have to put Obama out there on the stump, right, in in these areas, um, I think they know it's game over, and, and now they're kind of panicking. Me. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. Shifting gears, we had Jair Bolsonaro deposed as president in Brazil. So Lulu, Lulu is in the house. Yeah, Lula, right? Lula, Lula, yeah. Lula. And Lula is pretty interesting because what's what we're gonna give? We're gonna I'm gonna play a little video clip of of Lula's constituents celebrating the demise of of Jair Bolsonaro. And I have one of my very good friends and business partner in Brazil. He's in Sao Paulo. And let me let me play this little clip for you because this is a. Uh, Muy importante. Roger. Okay. This is... These are Lula's people. These are the type of people that vote for Lula. Here we go. Ready? This is in a Brazilian prison. Celebrating Lula's victory. <laughs> the prisoners are having a party celebration. We're getting released in the United in Brazil. You know, in the United States, this means loser. In Brazil, it means Lula. Oh yeah, everybody's out there flashing their Lulas. Oh yeah, and it's it's uh, unbelievable. Okay, and here's the funny thing, bro. Here's the funny thing. The funny thing is is how this happened, right? And I will break this down to you, right? Um, this is from my, my buddy right here. He said this. This is my very good friend and my business partner who lives in Sao Paulo. He said the top business and capital markets region has no voice. The top agriculture producing states, which is 27% of the Brazilian economy has no voice. The top international tourism destination has no voice. The country has been hijacked by illiterate welfare thugs, and those of us that actually contribute to the economy are held hostage. There's no reason to support democracy when the lowest members of society wield the most power. And the other thing he'll go further into it is this. He said it so perfectly. He said, um, um, Bolsonaro won five of the top six states by GDP. Lula won nine out of the ten states with the highest illiteracy rates. That's a confidence thing, right? And here's a little 
chart for you guys as well, so we can we can talk about this and the geopolitical ramifications. And there's been a lot changed here. So, yeah, Bolsonaro won every region of Brazil except for the one, which coincidentally happens to be the most corrupt part of the country, the Nordeste, which is controlled by drug traffickers and gangs. Okay. And uh, yeah, so there it is, right there. And you see the all basically all the states, like Sao Paulo, which is the the financial fintech hub, as well as the the, the their Silicon Valley, went for Bolsonaro. Rio de Janeiro, the tourism hub yep. of Brazil, <clears throat> went for <throat> Bolsonaro. The South, which is the where the the most educated, the most productive. The most contributing members to society all went for Bolsonaro. The, the criminal, corrupt illiterates went for Lula. And there's a lot of people, well, Lula was, uh, you know, one of the founding members of BRICS, and wasn't he going to be great? Look, this is people, especially us anti-imperialists who are uh, anti-unipolar world, those of us who support the multipolar reality, right, need to be very careful in thinking that Lula, this this is the, the same guy that was the founding member of the BRICS. We need to be very careful. Because guess who celebrated Lula's victory, CJ? Guess who guess who congratulated Lula and celebrated his victory? Would that have any Joe Biden? Well, yeah, I mean Joe Biden, but even worse, CJ. Even worse than Joe George Biden. Soros. Oh, God. George oh. Soros-linked NGO congratulated mm. Lula for winning. Okay? Lula, a guy who went to prison for his connections with money laundering. Lula, a guy that's right now out here saying that, you know what, uh, you know, he's going to continue with the bricks. Be very careful. You know, people were thinking Bolsonaro is going to be very, you know, U.S.-centric, and he was. He was, he was very friendly with the U.S. when Trump was in power. Hasn't been so lately with Biden. Enter Lula. This is not the same Lula that was the founding member of the BRICS. I guarantee you this. Something about the, when you got George Soros-linked organizations and far leftist organizations with massive links to intelligence agencies with massive links to some of the most corrupt globalist organizations, you know, celebrating your victory, there's a problem here. Mm. There's yeah. a serious problem here. And I mean, there's all sorts of questions right now about the voting machines, especially the voting machines in the North where Lula won uh, a certain company uh, that I cannot mention in any platform. And see, do you know what company I'm talking about starts with a, 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 the letter D? And it's not, and it sounds like dominoes, mm-hmm. yep. right? Yep. That company was involved in those elections with those voting machines in uh, northern Brazil. Okay. Huh. So many things, man. So many things. Well, and yes, and 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 you know, geopolitically and geoeconomically, we we know that the battle for Latin America is on, right? The massive amount of inroads uh, that have have taken place there. Uh, with China, uh, even even Russia, uh, they, they, you know, that's basically almost the, the equivalent of almost like, a, you know, Ukraine for the United States in, in regards to control of, of, 
uh, an area that they want to be heavily involved, heavy influence. Uh, so that's what it's about. So that's obviously why these globalists are, are celebrating They're like, hey, you know, we can we can take back uh, Brazil and, and regain some type of control within within Latin America. Um, so, you know, it's, it's obvious it's it's I think it's I think it's limited. I, I, I I'm not sure how much long this will stay just because of the the power structure there and and how turbulent sometimes it can get there in, in Brazil. I, I'm hoping uh, that this is short lived. Yeah. yeah. It looks like we have a, a, a new troll, Siege. We have a new troll. I didn't see it. What, what yeah, was it? Somebody named uh, Cow Ticket. New, Cow new t- troll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a real smart guy, this guy. President Joe. What is this? Joe Biden 2024? <laughs> Cow Woo-hoo! Ticket. This is, this is funny. Uh-huh. Another low IQ individual dude you're this guy's in the wrong place siege in the wrong place in the wrong place you in the wrong place bro in the wrong place i kick him out siege get him out of here uh it's on twitch i think i have to jump into twitch to do so jump into twitch brother all right all right and then we'll get into the intercept with truth god this is huge okay what what this is a bombshell story that's coming up and um it's incredable man it's it's incredible on on so many levels because it basically uh, provides you know facts of of things that we already knew um you know especially in regards to the the suppression of 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 how they control the narrative and and i think over the years be that they've lost enough uh, uh confidence in the mainstream us media and i think that's why they had to get heavily involved with with the tech giants it's amazing. I can't remember who put out a chart. There was a, mount, a, a chart that was put out, like how much news that people get uh, from from Facebook, from Twitter, from different areas now versus uh, the news, the news stations. And I think that's why these tech giants have aligned. So this article comes from the the uh, Intercept. I'm logging in right now. Um, and it comes from the Intercept that you know breaks down to 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 what specifically. And this came from a, a leak. Uh, that basically states that the Department of Homeland Security has worked directly with uh, the social media giants, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and they were able to control and shape the narratives, uh, what was discussed in around these topics. Yep. And this is, quote unquote, the origins of COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the efficacy of the, 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 the vaccines, uh, and also what the FBI deemed in regards to inf- information that they don't want out there. And this just kind of spells it out that, that, you know, basically that they had this, they even had a backdoor pipeline be into the actual uh, Facebook and Twitter where they had a direct line of communication. in. so if there was something right away uh, that they deemed that they needed to get taken care of and, and removed, that's exactly what they did. They, they would notify the social media giants that, Hey, uh, do us a favor, uh, get this removed. Um, we, 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 we need to do this. And so again, it's just, Okay. All right. He's done. Okay. There we go. Sorry. That took a minute to get, to get logged in. Well, there goes cow dung. Cow dung is gone. Yeah. And, and so, and I think the thing that makes me so mad about this V in terms of, you know, this is in direct conflict, these agencies, Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, NIH, CDC, of violating the U S constitution, right. In regards to freedom of speech, freedom of thought, you know, a lot of those posts that they deemed and said, well, this is disinformation. We don't want out there. We're, you know, in the tech giants, I was listening to some testimony. They're like, we did it for the public good because we want to ensure that the public is getting 
you know, accurate information and that's going to place. And what I get angry about is, you know, what happened to the four years of of all the the information that came out that said that that Russia infiltrated our election, that that the the, the dossier that was that was bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton, yet it was championed by news agencies, by the social media feeds as something that was 24 seven in our stream you know, impeachment, all this information. Where was their concern for disinformation then, V? Where was their concern? There was absolutely none. And so I, I don't I don't know what can be done about this, but it's just this article just does a great job. It's 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 uh, there's been some other podcast discussion about it. Um, meeting minutes that they, they actually took place, direct lines of communications into Twitter, into, fa- into Facebook to say, hey, th- this post that's out there, you need to take this down. I guarantee you the what they deem the dirty dozen of, of health. They call the misinformation people. Uh, what they basically did was they 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 shut them down. Uh, Dr. Joseph Mercola, you know, Alex Jones. And, and then they took it to a next level by trying to Im- impact them financially. And that's currently what they're doing by going after their financial streams and and a way to be able to, to still have services and pay for things. It's just it's, it's just so eye opening to the level of criminality that exists. Uh, within our government agencies. Absolutely. You know, who started, um, like, when you look at who really started a lot of these tech companies, right, especially Google, Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, it's InQtel. And InQtel was a CIA shell company, and it still is. And there's no doubt when you've been given this many resources by intelligence agencies, it's all, you know, they, they have those back doors. It is the same reason why they require if you are if you are any sort of a telecommunication company and you want to operate in the United States, you have to be given a back door. You have to give the the intelligence agencies the back door to spy on, to look at, to read, to review, to do whatever the hell they want with every single communicate from every single American. It's absolutely heinous that this happens. And here we are. And, you know, back in the Soviet Union days, we called it the Politburo. We called it propaganda. We called it, oh, you know, the system. And here is the thing, right? In our face, it is showing us very clearly, okay, very clearly what the establishment is doing to us. Proof after proof after proof, you know, from, from um, you know, this news that, you know, Twitter, right, was reaching out to the feds. Hey, what can we post? What can we not post? Things that could seriously significantly affect elections were posted shared among or suppressed right prevented from getting out there and other counter arguments that are more favorable to the established narrative it's incredible that this happens man absolutely incredible and and right because it, it becomes an extension of of the political class right and we we know what's happened with the way that the democratic party has been able uh, to leverage these agencies, you know, not only the FBI, Department of Homeland Security. So it became a, 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 an extension of the political class, which it was never meant to do. So now you have them doing what? Affecting elections where they're able to shape the influence and in, say, for example, Afghanistan, which we know by far the, 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 the departure of Afghanistan was an absolute dismal failure, but they wanted to try to censor that information. Well, what did national security have to do with people telling the truth about Afghanistan and things that were happening? Was it, was it, an issue of national security was was it health related? You know, was it you know was it not accurate showing people hanging on from these from these uh, flights that were taking off? Absolutely not. It was a matter that they could not make Joe Biden look bad. 
They could not make the Democratic Party class look bad. And they're just an extension of it. And and I and again, it kind of falls back to my true belief that when you look at something that's so deep, that's so corrupt, you know, as as these agencies are, well, it's no wonder it's hard to make momentum and change those things, right? It's the culture of corruption that exists in Washington, DC. So the only thing that we can really do to to disrupt that and change that, and, and I know it could go, it could backfire, it could go different ways. There's a lot of thoughts in regards to the convention of states and, and how that's going to work. But it's written in our constitution for a reason, because when this government gets to this level, they are in terms of of taxation without representation, with the, the the trillions of dollars that are spent, with literally like any type of process of of representation of 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 the people, and then you combine that with their corruption of all these agencies, it's really time to scale back the federal government. It's really time for the states and people that live within our states. I. And it, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the actual political process anymore because you can change the players in the game, but it's a system. It's a system that is fundamentally broken. It has to be changed altogether. All uh, changing the pieces around, it, it doesn't. It doesn't do it. it. It's just not enough right now. And and we're we're really close. We need to get uh, rep- we need to get candidates for governor who who back for convention of states, get it achieved. You know, get those articles drawn. Uh, to reel in and to really bring the federal government under under control because it's 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 too big of a of a of a I guess you could say a swamp uh, to try to dial it back under the current the current system that we have right now. V it's just it's it's just it's just not working. There's too much corruption, too much greed, um, and something happens. Something I'm not saying all people that go there you know are, are bad people, but something happens once they're there. Uh, either either they're showing they're showing uh, you know information that's been gathered on them. They're showing they're showing uh, other details of things that can take place uh, to their family. And then, and then it changes. And then they look at the millions of dollars that they can make on these uh, backdoor programs and, and feeding their, their, their own wallets. It just, it's, it's very disheartening to be at this point that we are in, in the United States. It's very disheartening siege, but you know what? I think what we need siege. you know, what we, you know what this country needs siege. What's that? You know, what's going to bring us all together. What's that? Amnesty. Oh, <laughs> for pandemics, right? We need a declar. We need a pandemic amnesty siege. That's what we need. Have you heard? Of- You've heard of this, right? It's it's absurd. Yes. Crypto Cowboys, right? This country needs an enema. And here is the article from the Atlantic. Think of the audacity. They have destroyed the entire economies of the Western world, and we knew. This was the perfect crisis, the perfect pretext for the World Economic Forum to deindustrialize the West, to collapse our economies, and get us into this Green New Deal. That's blown up in their face. Not going too well. Their rebadged, rebranded flu, okay, didn't work out so well. And just like I predicted back in November of 2001, that by the summer of 2022, all this pandemic bullshit's going to go away. And here we are. And now they're asking for amnesty. Oh, yeah, amnesty. Atlantic has come under fire for suggesting that all the terrible pandemic-era decisions over the lockdowns, school closures, masking, and the punishing of an entire classes of people who questioned, right, who questioned the, 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 the absolute wisdom the, the efficacy, the trust the science, right? 
Whoever questioned this lockdown policy, whoever questioned the wearing of masks, whoever questioned vaccines, they were crushed. Their livelihoods were crushed. Their ability to, to go to work was crushed. Their ability for their children to learn was crushed for two years. Unless, of course, you're Howard Stern, then you locked yourself at home and came out just a few weeks ago. And here's what the Atlantic has been saying. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. CJ, were you and I in the dark about COVID? Not at all, V. We, yeah, not at all. As soon as you and I found out what the actual fatality or the actual mortality rate of this virus was, which is 0.001%, okay? We knew at that point, oh, we've got nothing to worry about. Why, why are they locking down everything? I think the old and the infirm need to be careful. Everybody else, just get back to work. And then they rolled out the, the, the vaccines. And we're like, wait a minute, why do I need a vaccine for something that has a 99.999% survival rate? Why do I need that? This is not airborne Ebola. Why should I worry about this stuff? But now, now, after having the livelihoods of millions of people wrecked and destroyed, they want to just say, let's just be bygones, be bygones. Let's just forgive and forget. Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. It's incredible. Let's acknowledge, the Atlantic says, that we made a complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty. Mm. No, it was actually pretty certain, bro. Within a matter of days. Within a matter of weeks, we have the Stanford antibody study out. Within the, within by end of April or uh, end of March, early April, we have the Stanford study out on this damn thing. Okay, and we knew from the antibody studies that this is not that bad. This is not that bad. And further lending credence to us conspiracy theorists. Mm. There was no deep, deep uncertainty there, but the hyperventilating, sycophantic, weak fruitcakes that rule us couldn't help but take this and lord over us. When you have weak leadership, weak leadership reacts in an overtly strong way because it is making up for a lack thereof. And that is exactly what has occurred. And, and again, here's an article from Zero, from Zero Hedge. It was saying, we weren't in the dark about COVID. There were numerous sources pointed out the actual science that ran contrary to every single one of these mandate claims, and they were deliberately silenced by the vast media campaign. Evidence suggests that the media platforms worked in tandem, which we've seen. So you just pulled out that article, right? Worked in tandem with big tech, with the CDC. See, you know, I got my latest um, software update on my phone. Guess what I don't see anymore? What's that? A feature for a COVID pass. You remember that? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Apple's operating uh, system uh, 15.1 iOS had a, 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 a place where you can upload your COVID pass. Same thing with the Android updates. Android 12 had a, a COVID pass thing on there, right? Mm. Yeah. And you and I both said when this game came out, I'm like, dude, this takes months. It takes weeks to create an, an update to an operating system already ready to go. Already ready to go. But wait a minute. I remember driving all the way to Connecticut to go to Whole Foods to pick up some supplies. 
and I'm dri- I'm like one of the few cars on the road, and I'm driving, and I'm like, um, hmm, yeah, there's signs everywhere. Stay home, stay safe. Do your part, six feet apart. <laughs> right? Do your part, six feet apart, and stay home, stay safe, blah, blah, blah. Wear a mask. And it wasn't just in the United States. It wasn't just in New York. It was in Connecticut. It was in New Jersey. It was all throughout the country, all throughout the world. They had the same stupid phrase in multiple languages. I'm like, see, do you know how, and I'm a numbers and a logistics guy. You know how many weeks, how many months it takes to have an ad campaign, which is what it was, ready to go? Oh, but yeah, at least probably what, three to six months. Yeah. Exactly. To have yeah. celebrities come out. Remember the COVID song they sang to us on Twitter? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, stay home, stay safe. <laughs> you know how many months it takes just to get all these celebrities to coordinate? There's a lot of logistics money here, folks. A lot of logistics at play. Complicated logistics. That simply just doesn't happen overnight. And everywhere you went, stay home, stay safe. Do your part, stay six feet apart, wear a mask. Think about that is a complicated, that is an operation. And then I started realizing this is an agenda. This is an agenda. Evidence suggests that the media platforms worked in tandem with big tech and CDC and the Biden administration. It was not a simple matter of overcorrection. There was collusion, remote all counter information. Remember the whole lab leak theory. You were shut down. You had your plot. How many strikes? See, the fact that we were struck by YouTube in January for spreading medical misinformation. Yeah. And, and our friends deplatformed and everything else like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we were out of YouTube from January all the way through July. Based on medical misinformation. Which right now is being bandied about. Everything that we talked about is now mainstream and being bandied about by mainstream news. We talked about it on this pro- program and on this platform, and countless others on countless other programs talked the same thing we did, which was considered conspiracies. And now it's not. Now it's not a conspiracy anymore. And the Atlantic says it was. It, it's just an overreaction. No, it wasn't. As the Daily Skeptics' Michael P. Sanger puts it, there's a lot wrong here. First, no, you don't get to advocate policies that do extraordinary harm to others against their wishes. Then say we didn't know any better at the time. Sorry. Yeah, the reason why I put the juice in the oven is because I did not know any better. Come on, man. Is that, is, that, is that said no Nazi SS officer ever during the Nuremberg trials? It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And V, the, the thing that's very troubling about this is that there's no acknowledgement that the same, you know, so they're putting this out that, hey, you know what? There was, you know, quote unquote, we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we, we're in the dark about COVID. Well, the problem is, is that they continue to live life in the dark, right? They continue to push these boosters. They continue to say, hey, you know what? We need to we need to push forward and get these on the childhood vaccine schedule. Well, how oh, can yeah. they even begin to even ask for like even a truce 
a truce with uh, truth tellers when they have been still pushing the agenda. V, there's literally no acknowledgement at all right now from literally anything in the, any of these social media platforms other than other than us, other than other people who are on other other platforms who are even coming to the realization and they're trying to hide it yet once again, living life in the dark in regards to the health impacts in regards to the mRNA. And we're seeing drastic increases in, in cancer in young Massive. people. We're seeing uh, cardiovascular issues in young kids like crazy. There, there's, there's no peace here. There's no amnesty here because they won't even acknowledge these and they, and they still won't. You won't see one bit of peace in the, in the news saying, Hey, there needs to be reason caution for, for these vaccines. Here are the stories. Here's what's truly happening. They want to mark it as not a uh, primary source of death. They want to try to try to change things. So no, there's no truce here. There's no amnesty. They continue to live life in the dark, and they will do they will do so uh, from 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 now until eternity unless things change. Matthew J. Peterson, senior fellow at the at the Claremont Institute, said it best on the thread. He said, "Hey, sorry you lost your job because the vax doesn't work." And that your grandmother died alone. You know how many friends of mine that had their parents die alone? No. Oh, I've had yeah. friends who's I'm like, you couldn't go see your mom? No. I've had clients who like they were telling me, Yeah, I couldn't see my parents. I couldn't see my mom. I couldn't see my dad. They died alone. Can you imagine wow. if I was an elderly old man or see you were an elderly old man? We're in our 70s, 80s, 90s. We're in our deathbed, and our own kids and grandkids can't come see us. We got to die alone in a fucking hospital. And and we seen the video where 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 where, where the parents went to go visit their family members in a nursing home, and they're six feet apart. They can't get they can't even hug each other. Or they're at the window on the outside, right? They yeah. they don't get to come in. They're at the window just looking in. You know, just yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I completely for, forgot about that. Yeah, and these people want to ask for for amnesty. For, for amnesty, you couldn't have a funeral, and your brother's businesses was needlessly destroyed, and your kids have weird heart problems, and your kids have developmental delays. Well, but let's just admit we were all wrong and call it okay. Call it's call it truce. It's too bad we shut down the entire economy and took on tyrannical powers that have never been used before in this country. Looking back, you should have been able to go to church and use public parks while we let people ride in the streets. Because this virus is a very polite virus, CJ. Not only does it not affect you if you riot in the streets, okay, mm. but it also knows when you are eating at a restaurant. So while you are walking to your table, you have to keep the, the mask on because the virus protects. The virus understands you have a mask on, so it will not affect you. But then the virus... Patiently waits by your table side, like a table side avocado service where they're making guacamole. The virus patiently waits table side. <laughs> okay? So as you put down your mask and you eat, and then the virus says, oh, shucks, he's putting his mask back on. He's going to get up and go to I the bathroom. <laughs> and meanwhile, patrons that are sitting right next to you are doing the same thing. But, you know, we've got to trust the science. That right there told me it had nothing to do with science. It had everything to do with control. Hey, I'm sorry we scared the hell out of you. Lied to you for years, persecuted and censored anyone who disagreed. But there was an election going on, and we really wanted to beat Donald Trump. So it's important to radically politicize the science, even if it destroyed your children's lives. 
Okay, we said unvaccinated people should should die and not get health care. Remember that kid? Remember that siege? That yeah. whole gig? Yeah. Vaccinated people should be denied health insurance. Mm. Yeah. You want a blood transfusion? You want life saving cancer? Take the jab. You want to have that baby? We're not gonna. We're not gonna be a C. We're not gonna provide any cesarean section to you because you're not vaccinated. Remember that? Yeah. Or or, or what about what about suppressing effective treatments of, of COVID because it wasn't profitable uh, right. for them? Right. Right. Oh yeah, we we said that we did all these things. You know, we'll never and, and, and never question big pharma, but we're compassionate people. But we'll, shut, but we'll shut down the entire economy. We'll also bankrupt the nation, and we'll cause inflation. And you're welcome. Now let's be friends. Everything's okay. Let's be. Let's have a. Let's have an amnesty. Let's come together. Let's sing kumbaya. We didn't know. No, we are coming for blood. We are coming for blood. Their plea for decency is disgusting. Absolutely. Absolutely disgusting. The gall that they have to ask us for forgiveness, to ask us to just forget about it. We haven't forgiven, and we will not forget. Do not forget 2020. Do not forget it. Incredible. Amnesty. Give them no quarter. Absolutely right. Uh, EMC Keon 82. Incredible. Anyway, see anything else on the radar? Uh, well, Matthew Eretz, uh busy today. We're going to try to get him rescheduled for, for tomorrow. Perfect. And maybe we can jump into the uh, conversation. B, I'm not sure if you saw this, but there's a lot more to the uh, background of why Liz Truss resigned. Uh, apparently um, direct information pointing to and, and Kim.com uh, kind of broke this. I'm not sure how he got the information, but apparently after Nord Stream uh, one and two blew up uh, basically at the, at the time that exactly happened, she used her iPhone, not, not her, her government issued. Secure <laughs> phone. What I tell you, Western leaders are class A idiots. Good. Yeah. Yeah, to to send a, a text to, to to Blinken that it's done, it's done, quote unquote, it's done. A minute after the pipeline blew up, so and Russia knows this. Russia already has the the oh, intel on it. So, shit. Yeah, so there's there's the reason. I think that's the reason why that she had to wow. she had to go away. I mean, think about the timing of it, right? There's no other other explanation. She was in office like the shortest term ever, and when you make a major screw up like that, I mean, you you got to go. This is why Gus always says, these are woke, retarded fags. You should not be afraid of them. Yep. Stupid evil. Worst kind of evil. You're right. EMC Keon 82 again. They are stupid evil. 100%. Unbelievable. Yep. That's well, okay. Germans are going to freeze this, uh, this, this winter. It's okay. Everybody in Europe, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Slava Cocaina, CJ. Slava Cocaina. Slava Cocaina. Slava Cocaina. Anyway, folks, um, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to see if I can get uh, um, uh, Richard Sifon. Is that who it was? The, uh... Richard? Oh, the, yeah, from Martin Sifon. I'm sorry. Martin, Martin, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll if get, Martin we'll, will come on. Or, if, if, or yeah, we can see Martin and, and uh, we'll try to get Tim Kirby on as well this week. Right. Sounds good. Fantastic. With that being said, folks, we're at the end of the program. He is the, the producer extraordinaire. I'm just a, a mad ape. We're <laughs> over and out. See you guys tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs>